Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast for our Scares and Dares episode where we review for you a horror movie scare and then we tell you the bets that we dare to make in the upcoming NFL week. And in this case, we're back to doing our player props of the week and looking at NFL week one. So with me as usual is my co-host for Scares and Dares, it's Joanne Kong. How are you doing, Joanne? Good. Hi, everyone. Yeah, all right. We are back for NFL Week One. Are you excited? We're excited, right? I mean, like I am. I'm very excited that football is back on, and yeah, yeah, we have uh, something to do on Sunday. Well, come on, let's not get, let's not get, let's not get crazy here. I mean, I mean, it is like you know, 12 hours worth of fun and enjoyment that we get back into our lives. So that's always nice. But there are always many other things to do. I don't know what that things are, but uh, certainly not football. And we are back. So. Again, today we are going to be talking about our scare of the week, which is The Black Phone, the 2021 movie um, that uh, is actually released in 2022 and was recently released um, wide uh, of guys streaming, I believe, on Peacock. On Peacock. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we're going to be talking about our two player props each that we dare to make in week one of the NFL. Always a little bit tough because we haven't had a lot of history here to base our decisions on. Yeah. But uh, Week one is always really hard because right. you can only rely on last year's best. Right. And, and the, the preseason. And the preseason. Which is worthless. Well, the preseason is worthless. <laughs> I always say that. It's worthless. Right. But right. last year's stats and the changes that the team yeah. So, but it's very little information. You a lot of guessing. Know. A lot of guessing going on here, but that's okay because we're guessing for you, so you don't have to guess. So let's go ahead and get this rolling. All right, let's start with our scare of the week, and that's the horror movie that we picked to to, to talk to you about today, and that's The Black Phone, a 2021 horror movie that runs a brisk one hour and 42 minutes. It actually was released wide in 2022. It was directed by Scott Derrickson, written by Scott Derrickson and Robert Cargill, and of course based on a 2004 short story by Joe Hill. And for those who don't know, Joe Hill, otherwise known as Stephen King's son. son right, yes. exactly. So um, uh, so obviously there are some similarities here to things we've seen by Stephen King before, yes. but a lot of differences as well. And as we, as usual, we're going to start with talking about some of uh, a little bit of summary of the plot. And uh, I did a, a little bit of research here to make sure that I'm not going to spoiler alert anybody. And it turns out that in the marketing materials for this movie, they actually give away a lot. <laughs> so, so I'm going to tell you everything. So everything I tell you, folks, I'm not spoiling anything, all right? This is stuff is all in their marketing materials. It's in their ads. So I'm not telling you something that you won't know from there. So, so no, no hate mail for that, okay? Um, so this, a little bit of background. So in 1978, in this movie, it takes place in 1978, there was a mass serial child abductor by uh, the nickname The Grabber. It was played by Ethan Hawke, which is actually very interesting, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later. He uh, prowls the streets of a Denver suburb where siblings Finney, played by Mason Thames, and Gwen Blake, played by Madeline McGraw, live with their abusive alcoholic father. At school, Finney is frequently bullied and harassed by his friends, but he, uh, by, by, not, by, his uh, friends. not friends, but he does have a friend. By classmates. Right, right, right. He buys classmates, but he, has, he does have a friend who's, uh, who's called, whose name is Robin, who is uh, excellent at martial arts and who fends off bullies and uh, fends off his bullies. Meanwhile, a boy from another school that Finney knew by the name of Bruce 
uh, who there's some brief interaction in the beginning of the movie where he and Bruce play a baseball game against each other and Bruce hits a home run off of him. You know, Bruce is abducted by the grabber. Gwen, who um, is sister, has these kind of psychic dreams, much like her, what, what we find out is like her mother in some way. And of course, you know, that, that is actually giving away the movie. Well, no, that's not really giving it away because that actually was in the, that, believe it or not, that was in the marketing materials. What? Yeah, they actually have, they actually did talk about the fact that she had psychic dreams and that she goes to talk to the, uh, the, the, the detectives and the detectives don't believe her. So, so the question is, of course, are they psychic dreams or is this some PTSD? Because there's a lot of PTSD issues here with their late mother and their father, who is incredibly abusive, as we said before. And I think that, that raises the question, I think, that they kind of start with, which is, uh, you know, does she have these kind of supernatural skills? She does. <laughs> or <laughs> is it some sort of PTSD that she's just kind of going through, and that's why she's having these horrible nightmares, which her, her, her father seems to insist on? So at any rate, detectives don't believe her story. The grabber abducts Robin as well as Finney, our main character. Days later, Finney finds himself in a soundproof basement. And, and this is the part where I promise you I'm not spoiling anything. The wall, on the wall, there's a disconnected black rotary phone. And the grabber says, that doesn't work. And later, Finney hears the phone ring, and he answers it and discovers he can hear the voices of uh, the grabber's previous victims. I think you said too much. No, that actually is in, I know, in the marketing material. I know it's in the marketing materials. But I, I think you said too much. That's actually in the ad. That actually is in the ad. They actually go that far. But that, so that's it. That, so that's as far as I'm going to go. And I think you, you think I've gone too far. I but, think you did. But go that too is far. exactly what was in the marketing materials. I'm telling you, I'm not telling you anything you can't find from the studio. Um, but that, with that said, I okay. Mean, it's just that Ethan Hawke was in it and it was a short story written by joe hill that should be enough <laughs> well i don't know what that would be, that I, mean, would be enough. <laughs> I mean i mean i'm not really sure so that's like a, a 90s uh, a 90s uh drama comedy uh or a romantic comedy uh, maybe that you just with, uh some horror elements I, I don't know what that would that's be that's why you have to tune in and find okay, out okay all right so let, let me let's, let me turn it over to you here joanne and you want you to tell us so what did you like most about this movie and what did you like least about this movie you know, I was thinking about this, and I think what there are two things I really liked about this movie, mm-hmm. um, outside of you know the normal things. Okay. But one, the first thing I really liked was the time period that it was set in. Okay. In the seventies, seventies, late seventies. I, you know, like that is, and it's terrible to say, but a great time period for a lot of you know, um, uh, you know child abduction, serial killer, psychopath. <laughs> it was a great era. There right, was very right. little communication, I don't know, interstate. I, maybe you're not used to the term great, okay, but well, <laughs> okay. for a, an era. It was an it era was an for era. child abduction but, uh, and setting, It was right. just, I think, perfect because today it happens. It's less. It's harder to get away well, with Well, there's today. a lot more technology. Right, technology, cameras, right. I mean, Cell monitoring. Right. There's just so much more of it. Mm-hmm. And the 70s time period. There was none of that. There wasn't. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like I said, interstate police officers, like law enforcement, didn't they're, they're, even speak. That's right. They right? have very mean, little communication, as we saw when, when we talk about, when we look at all sorts of serial killers. In yeah, the I mean, like, they just got away with everything, just right. moving state to state. Nobody Incompetence catch them. in the law enforcement um, uh, so cooperation. So I really liked the time period that this was set in. Mm-hmm. 
But I also liked, and I don't think this is giving it away because it's right on the advertisement when you click to um, – Yeah, okay. I said the poster. Click, the on the poster, poster, right. Is the usage of masks. Okay, yeah. I really liked the usage of masks uh-huh. to instill that – that uh, that kind of like this horror, like this, because everybody knows, like anyone wearing a mask right. is terrifying because you don't know who that person is. Right, right. I mean, you don't know what's under there. Right. You don't know who's wearing that mask. And I think that was a great usage. Yeah, and they, and they actually indicated that they were inspired by Japanese oni masks um, and because they were quite frightening and they're commonly worn during certain festivals in order to scare away bad luck. So this is kind of interesting, the way they use it, because it's just the opposite. It is bad luck if you see one of these in the movie, right. uh, whereas traditionally in Japan it was used to scare away bad luck. So interesting use there of the Oni, uh, Oni-inspired mask. Not necessarily an Oni mask, but an Oni-inspired mask. So that's great. What do you think about, so what about the things you least about the movie? What I'd like to least... Um... We discussed this. I think I'm going to go with what you said. Okay. I, I'm. Uh, it wasn't that scary. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It could. It, it was a lot to me. It was a lost opportunity because I felt like the premise could have led it to be a, quite a bit more tense and quite a little bit more scary, particularly because Ethan Hawke did such a great job of playing the bad guy, you know. And I thought for for there was a lot of opportunity there for him to be even scarier. Yeah. I mean, the premise was, I mean, like, the premise, the foundation was there. The yeah. mask. Yeah. I mean, just like. That's what I'm saying. Ethan the Hawk. opportunity. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I don't normally think of Ethan Hawke as scary, but he did a great job, I think, as, as being that guy. And, and quite frankly, that was one of the things he talked about, was that when he was approached with this opportunity, he was concerned that he'd be playing a bad person because he, he traditionally plays the good guy, right? And he's like, oh, I don't want to be known as the, as a bad guy, you know? I mean, I don't, I've always been the good guy. Yeah. But I think that's why it works, because yeah. you have this mask. You don't know who's underneath it. Right. And who's underneath it? Well, in the mask, it's this bad guy. Right. Underneath the mask is Ethan Hawke, yes. who's <laughs> ever the bad guy. Right, so, right. Yeah, you're right. If Ethan Hawke comes up to me, I, I probably wouldn't be scared. Right. Um, so, you know, there's no reason to be scared. So. And like I said, you just never know who's underneath there, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean... So that so well well done there, and I think that's true. I think it was a lost opportunity. It was more of a thriller than a horror movie. Yeah. Um, although Build is a horror movie. And, of course, the connection to Joe Hill makes it feel like it should be more of a horror mm-hmm. movie. Um, certainly a lot of aspects that were similar with, to Stephen King books, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, like, you, you get a lot of Supernatural. this. Supernatural. Yeah, but, but also, like, being chained up in a location. I mean, like, if yeah. you think of Gerald's Game, if you think of uh, Misery. Right, it's like of, one setting. Yeah, a single, single setting. Um, I mean, obviously, they looked at other places, but single setting for the protagonist mm-hmm. and the antagonist yeah. and kind of the psychological aspect to it. Um, so certainly some inspiration from his dad there, but I, I thought it was relatively well done in terms of that. So that, that leads me to what I liked most, the acting. Uh, obviously the Ethan Hawke aspect of it, but also I think that the two kids, particularly the um, the guy who played Finney, Mason Thames, did a magnificent job. It actually kind of reminded me a little bit of Stranger Things, you know, the acting. I mean, because well, I thought I, the acting was superior there too. And they really like the, got the era, you it know? Was the, they did get the era, and also I think the group of kids. Oh, yeah. It, it was the, like, all the actors were... All the kids were yeah, great. Yeah, kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. They were fantastic. I mean, I thought, I mean, you really bought into this. This is late 70s. These are the bullies. These are the good guys. These are the people trying to get away from it. And, and Gwen, uh, played by Madeline McGraw, 
did a fantastic job because, and, and again, this is not really a spoiler alert thing, but she ends up being kind of the defender of the two of them while he is a little bit more of the, I don't know, pacifist of the two of them. Yeah, you know, you know, she's much more of a, aggressive, but she, you know, being the being the uh, the sister, the younger younger sister, sister it's, it's a little bit different than what you would expect mm-hmm. in these types of movies. So I thought that was really well. Both of them did a very good job with that. Okay, so let's go to the scare. You made a scare o meter. We had out of ten. What do you got? Give this on the scare meter. You know, ten being scary, yeah. zero being it's the documentary. <laughs> I'm gonna give it. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, you're having a hard time. With I this know, one. I am, because I'm in between a three and a four. Okay, so give it three and a half. We'll give it three and a half oh, on the okay, three and a half. <laughs> I'm down there too. I'm thinking about a three. I mean, it, it's not. It, it is tense at, at times because you are concerned about the prota- about pro- protagonist, um, but it's not scary. No, it, it, it definitely is more a thriller. I mean, there's not a lot of like gore. No. I mean, there's nope. no real jump scares type deal. No, nope, none of that. Or maybe the no, dog. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's right, <laughs> true, but I'm not saying that they need to have jump scares no, or gore. I just think that things can be, uh, they can be um, scary in ways without actually going, to, and they don't really do that. It's, yes. it's definitely more yeah. of a, as a, uh, a thriller. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of stars, out of four, what do you give it? Oh, I really liked it. I'm, yeah. I'm going to give it three and a half. Yeah, me too. I'm going to go with three and a half. Uh, almost a perfect four to me. If yeah. it was just a little scarier, yeah. it would have checked all the boxes. But because we're, we're reviewing horror movies here, I can't um, go with four. But it basically agree, yeah. ticked the box across the board with everything else. And the runtime, absolutely perfect. All right. Well, that's it for our scare of the week. Let's go ahead and hit the boxing bell on that one so that we can move on to our player props and our dares of the week, the player props that we dare to make in week one of the NFL. Why don't we start with you, Joanne? What's your first pick? I'm going to tell you right now, my picks this week are very daring. Okay. My first, well, that's what we do. We dare. So. My first pick is Aaron Rodgers, uh-huh. um, over and under 258.5 for passing yards. Okay. And I went with the under. You're going with the under. Okay. Under, right. right. Uh, some of you might think that this pick is questionable because we're talking about Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, last season, nine out of 16 games, he had over 259 passing yards. Okay. So, right. I mean, he just doesn't go well, under. But it's seven out of, you know, it's not so bad. But, you know, like, why am I going under? Yeah, like, Aaron why Rogers, are you going under? has lost Devontae Adams. Yes, He's gone. Absolutely true. And if you look at the stats, Devontae Adams is so valuable. In the last two seasons with the Packers, he had 2,927 receiving yards and 29 touchdowns. In the last two seasons. He was basically a one-man wrecking machine. I mean, like, he was the go-to guy for Aaron Rodgers. What is Aaron Rodgers going to do now that he doesn't have him? Right. Now Aaron Rodgers has a couple of rookies. Right. They got – uh, Randall Cobb back last season, yep. and they have Sammy Watkins. The constant retread, Sammy Watkins. Yeah. And a Cobb who returned after going to you know Dallas and Houston. Right. Uh, he hasn't been doing so well with the um, with the receiving yards. Yeah. But I mean, he did manage to get five touchdowns, yeah. so he did what did take that away from Devontae Adams okay. last season. All right. Well. But... And then you have Sammy Watkins, who is just not very productive at all. No. Since his first two years with the with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. Those were his best seasons, and after that, it just kind of trails down. Really tapered off. And then you have the last 
but not least, Alan Lazar. But he would have been the wide receiver one. He would, but he's not playing this right. week. Right. He's right. not playing week one, so you could just scratch that off. Right. So really, who is Aaron Rodgers going to throw to to get all those yards? Yeah. Um, he could throw to um, uh, Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Yeah. Uh, but you know. Aaron Jones is also a running back, so yeah. he might use them really in that stuff. Well, sure, and they got they got they do have a two headed monster, AJ Dillon, also back there. Maybe they get a couple yards there, but you're right. The, none of those big chunk yards that he used to get from Devontae Adams. Anymore. Yeah, I mean it's crazy how many yards Devontae Adams had. Accounted you know, for. Yeah, yeah, with uh with the Packers yep. and with you know uh, Rogers. Aaron Rodgers. Yep. So I I just don't see that he could you know beat this. And if they do win, it's, it might be because of their defense. I mean, because yeah. they're rated like one of the top defenses yeah. of the season. Well, who knows? Who knows? We right. You just don't know. Right. But, I mean, they're looking to be really strong. Okay. So there you go. You have uh, Aaron Rodgers there, and you picked him to go under, under. 258.5 I know. That's a, passing that's a, yards. That's a All right. Pick. All right. So my first prop of the week that I'm going to dare that I'm going to dare to make is Jalen Hurts over 47.5 rushing yards. Again, Jalen Hurts quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles at over 47.5 rushing yards. So, Jalen Hurts, he averaged 52.3 yards per game last season, okay? So, already that's over 47.5, okay? And now he gets a standout wide receiver in AJ Brown that will help loosen up defenses even more. He didn't even have that before, he now does. He won't need to run as much, I understand that. But that something tells me Hurts is just going to gash this defense because there's plenty going to be plenty of opportunity. And with, like I said, with AJ Brown pulling defenses away from the line, I really do think that that just opens it up. So how could he have less than he, the average last year without AJ Brown? That's my that's my point there. Um, and of course, the Lions on the other hand, they have allowed the fifth most rush yards to opposing teams last season. So obviously not great at stopping the run. They didn't do a ton to shore that up, but they did do a little bit, but still they don't need to be, I mean, they only have to have, give them an opportunity to get those yards. And, and when these teams met last year, Hertz piled on 74 rushing yards on just seven attempts. Okay. Wow. So Hertz recorded over 47.5 rushing yards in nine of his 15 games last season. Defenses can't sell, sell out to stop him from running because they got Brown running to lose. I don't know how successful the Eagles will be this season, but they should do well in week one and Hertz should exceed 47.5 rush yards. And I don't care that Detroit is in hard knocks. That's not going to save them. <laughs> hard knocks has never saved a team. It hasn't. It has it never saved a team. Them. It's almost like a jinx. It's like the it Madden jinx them. almost, right? It is. So I'm sorry, Jalen Hurts over 47.5 rush yards. All right, so what do you got? Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. Okay. Like, that's not that daring. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's a gift. I think everyone should make that one right now. I think everyone should make that one as well. I mean, I just, I, all right. So Mine are a little scarier. Yes, you, you definitely are trying to get scary. I'm trying to be the black phone. That's what I'm trying to be. <laughs> Thrilling, but not scary. All right, what do you got as your next pick? So I'm going to go on the other side of this uh, Minnesota Green Bay game. Okay. And I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins. All right. And he is slated to have 276.5 um, passing yards. Okay. And I'm going to go with the over. The over on 276.5 yeah, passing yards. That's a crazy pick, too, because no. we're talking about Kirk Cousins. Right. But we're talking about Kirk Cousins. And the words Kirk Cousins himself. Do you like that? <laughs> do you like that? Yes, he does. He, he definitely does that. So why do you pick him at 200, over 276.5? You know, this one is is just a kind of like, um, yeah, it's just a crazy pick. I, I just 
want Minnesota to beat Green Bay so badly. <laughs> yeah, right? And unlike Green Bay, Minnesota has all their players back. Yes. They're all healthy. Right. And, you know, they've done it before. Right. I mean, Kirk Cousins definitely has been able to, you know, exceed this number. Right. So it's not like he can't do it. Right. And so I just think with, like, a healthy team, Kirk Cousins with his weapons, I just think with a very kind of, you you, know, in the air Green Bay team, like, we don't really know what they're going to do with the loss of Devontae Adams. Right. And with Aaron Rodgers complaining about, like, his rookie receivers during the uh, uh, preseason and during camp. Sure. I'm just thinking that – he could do it. He could bring this in. Yeah. And also, like, Minnesota, like, they usually do pretty well in their first game mm-hmm. of the season. Yep. I don't know why that is. But, and Start also, you know, they are division rivals, yep. and they play hard. And Minnesota they're playing at home. Hard. Right? And they're playing at home. Home yeah. field bet. I mean, just, I, you know, I just don't know why I made this pick. It's well, I don't like, think it's all that know. crazy because, quite frankly, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen probably one of the best tandem wide receivers in the NFL. And Delvin Cook, one of the top five receiving uh, backs in the NFL as well. I-, I can see them having to keep their foot on the gas here in order to keep up with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, even though Aaron Rodgers doesn't have a lot of weapons. And I, I can see this be a shootout. And so over it always is, 6.5. Yeah, it usually is that's... a shootout between these two teams. So I don't think that's entirely that that crazy, although uh, maybe a little bit because yeah. uh, you're betting on Kirk Cousins. But <laughs> yeah, uh, so that's why it's crazy. It's I'm just, betting on Kirk Cousins. Yeah, yeah, I mean, this goes without saying. But that being said, I don't think that's so bad. So Kirk Cousins over 276.5 passing yards. All right, for my and he's done it before. Last yeah. season when he played against. Um, played against Green Bay, he had over 300 passing yards. Yeah, so there you go. I mean, it's entirely, this could happen, and that's why we want you to make that daring bet, (laughs) because we want you to win money here. We don't want you to lose money, right? So, um, all right, so my rounding it off, my second pick is uh, another quarterback, and that is Baker Mayfield of the Carolina Panthers, and the uh, over-under is 215.5 passing yards. I'm going to take the over on 215.5 passing yards. That's not that much, folks. That's also a given. 215.5 passing yards? Yeah. But listen, this is one of those hashtag revenge games that I've been talking about all week. And I even published an article on this as well on the site. And I think that Mayfield will take advantage of the opportunity to stick it to the Browns for casting him aside for the overpaid and currently suspended Deshaun Watson. Oh, I agree. And I, he should. Yeah. I am like all... Baker Mayfield. Everybody's in the Baker Mayfield I am all Baker right Mayfield. I mean, I'm, that I mean, was a shitty thing to do. Even the Browns, Browns fans are in the Baker Mayfield camp at this point. Well, actually, that's not true. They, ESPN uh, Cleveland actually did a, 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 a little bit of a survey on this. Uh, about a third of Cleveland football fans uh, want Baker Mayfield to be successful. Um, but not against them. Well, no, this weekend. I mean, oh, this, this, weekend. this weekend. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. So, so a third want them to be successful against their own team. So, Baker Mayfield, incredibly popular. Uh, Deshaun Watson, not so popular right now, particularly sitting on the bench. The game script favors the Panthers basically in every way. You know, first of all, it's in Carolina. Cleveland is starting Jacoby Brissett. And every major Panthers offensive weapon will be taking the field this weekend, including Christian McCaffrey and DJ Moore, who we already, we've already seen in the preseason and in camp. Baker Mayfield has a good connection with DJ Moore. So I see lots of fireworks there. McCaffrey alone 
averaged 49 receiving yards per game last season. That's almost a quarter of the way there just with Christian McCaffrey. So, you know, I, I just don't see how he doesn't get above 215.5 total passing yards. So that is my second prop bet that I'm daring to make. That's Baker Mayfield of the Carolina Panthers taking the over on 215.5 total passing yards against his old team, the Cleveland Browns. Oh, I'm rooting for them. Yeah. I'm rooting for Carolina because I love Christian McCaffrey as well. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. No, this is, this is, uh, this is a winning. I hate it when he gets injured, and I hate it when he's not there. They will have, so. I think they will have success this week. Uh, the rest of the season, maybe not so much. But this week, uh, they will have success, I think. I don't think that will be a question. And that brings us to the end of the show. So let's hit the air horn on the show there. All right, Jan. So uh, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? On Twitter for um, at Kung Fu for you at Kung Fu for you follower and then sound off on what you think about her bet. Uh, obviously, <laughs> they are daring. I apologize. They're daring. I apologize. You already pre-apologized, guys. So take it, take it easy there. All right, you can find me on Twitter at FD Garbage Time. You can also find me on Facebook at the Football Garbage Time page. As usual, thank you for listening and wasting time with us. And until next time. Enjoy your NFL week, make those daring bets, and win some money. Bye, everyone.